Mark chapter number 9, and we'll look in verse number 38. Mark chapter 9 and verse number 38. The Bible says, And John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. And we forbade him, because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbade him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Heavenly Father, I pray these next few moments you'd help us. I ask you to touch us. Lord, we do not want to say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. And I pray for liberty. I pray you'd help us around the word of God. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice with me in this passage of scripture in verse number 38 that uh, the Bible tells us here that there's a work uh, that's being done for God by an unnamed and an unknown man. John answers uh, the Lord in this verse and says, Master, uh, we saw one casting out devils in thy name. And so there is a work that is being accomplished here. Uh, whoever this young man is or this man is that is casting out these devils, he's obviously doing it in the Lord's name. So there is a work that is being accomplished. John answers that. And then there's a work that is being analyzed. Notice he said that uh, we saw one casting out devils in thy name and he followeth not us. Now, uh, John and the rest of the disciples were con more concerned about whoever this man is following them than the fact that he was following Christ. Amen? Uh, they was concerned about that and so they're analyzing this man's work. I, I would think you would agree with me tonight. Anybody back in Bible days that would be casting out devils out of people in the name of Christ, uh, well, we ought to be thankful for that. We ought to shout about that. But instead of the disciples uh, uh, shouting about it, they was analyzing this man. They did not know who he was. Uh, uh, they knew he was doing it in Jesus' name, but that wasn't enough. They, so they, they break his life down. They break his ministry down. You know what still goes on today? People will analyze different people's ministry. Uh, you always get in trouble when you start analyzing everything. And so uh, there's a work that is accomplished. There's a work that is analyzed and then there's a work that is abrupted here as the Bible said that we forbade him. I mean, stop right there and think about this. Why would you stop anybody from casting out a devil in the name of Jesus Christ? Why would you stop anybody from helping somebody uh, get out of, of the darkness and the demonic oppression that, and possession that they were in uh, and, to get into the, and to get into the light of, of the glorious gospel of Christ? Why would you do that? Well, John gives the answer here. He said twice here, and he says it again. We forbade him because he followeth not us. I want to preach on this subject a few minutes on he don't run with our crowd. He don't run with our crowd. I mean, John makes no bones about it to Jesus. They see this man, he's casting out devils. Uh, he's not doing it in his name. He's certainly not doing it in the name of the prince of devils, Beelzebub, but he's doing a good work and he's doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. He is not doing it for fame. He's not doing it for glory. He's not trying to draw attention to himself, uh, but just because he wasn't one of the 12, he wasn't in that crowd, uh, John forbade 
see them. Uh, John and them had got the uh, mentality, evidently, that uh, they were the only ones that was supposed to be doing what they were doing or that no one else could be doing what they were doing, that no one else could do it like they were. They were the chosen ones. And you know, if you and I are not careful, we can adopt the same mentality. Now, I know that tonight this flesh would say and my flesh would say the same thing that, well, I would never have that attitude, preacher. I would never uh, treat anybody that way. But sometimes it's not so much in our words, but it can be in our actions, amen? Uh, When you think about why would they do that? I mean, I wonder uh, why this old boy wasn't running with the disciples when you consider who the disciples were. They were handpicked by Jesus, amen? In fact, if I would have been this man, I would have tried to hook up with him. I would have tried to run with the disciples, but he's not running with that crowd. He's just off doing his own thing, serving God and trying to live for Jesus and be what God would have him to be. And I wondered that when I read that text one day, I thought, why does he not run with this crowd? Could it be, if you go back to verse number 14 and read all the way down through verse 29, there's a count there. And I wonder if it could be because of the disciples' own performance, amen? You say, what do you mean? Well, they were powerless according to verse number 17 and 18. There's a man that comes and he's got a devil. He's got a dumb spirit in verse number 17. And the father says this to our Lord. He said, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out. And notice this, the Bible says they could not. Could it be that John and them was upset because this man was doing something in the name of Jesus that they were not doing? Could it be because they were powerless? Uh, It was their performance. Uh, Maybe this young man wasn't running with them because of their performance. It may even be because that they were proud. If you look at verse number 28, uh, whenever they get Jesus by himself, the Bible says, and when he was come into the house, notice the disciples asked him, him privately. Why could we not? Why could not we cast him out? The pride of the disciples hindered them from standing there before others and asking. They waited till they got off and they asked, uh, why could we not do this? And it may be because of their prayerlessness. Jesus tells them in verse 29, this kind cometh forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. It may be in the performance of the disciples at this very moment as to why this man was not running with him. I was simply saying, if you and I are not careful, we can look at others and say, well, they don't do like us. They don't act like us. They're not a part of us. Amen. I'm just simply saying in a church, uh, we've got to be careful that we treat everybody the same. Is that right? Might have hit a stump on that one. I I think, listen, if you want to grieve the Holy Spirit, clicks and picks, we'll grieve it in a heartbeat. The difference between that and fellowship is you get around to everybody. You treat everybody the same. 
Everybody is equal. I'm not saying sometimes people build relationships in a church and, and you're closer to somebody than you are somebody else. There's not nothing wrong with that. I would advise you to always keep it at arm's length and, and keep it on a level that you're not in each other's hip pocket because that can end in disaster, amen. But it may be because of their performance. It, it may be because of their pride. Look at verse number 32. Uh, Jesus, uh, the Bible said in verse 32, but they understood not. Jesus uh, speaks to them in verse 31 and they don't understand uh, what he says, but they were afraid to ask him. Over and over, this pride keeps coming up. This old boy may have not been running with them because of their pride. They were too proud to admit that they did not know something. They were too proud to admit that they needed guidance. They needed direction. And by the way, this is a very important verse in verse 31. Had the disciples just asked, had the disciples just said, preacher, or said, Lord, we just don't know what you're talking about. He would have explained Calvary to them. But they let pride hinder them from learning one of the greatest truths they could have ever learned about before uh, Calvary and the resurrection. I'm saying sometimes uh, this boy may have not been hooked up because he's seen their pride. And that's a message to me as well as anybody this morning, this evening. It doesn't matter how much God has used any of us. If we're not careful, pride can get in every one of our hearts. Amen? I'm telling you as a pastor, I have to pray and guard against pride. I have to make sure and battle that pride. You say, preacher, do you battle pride? I want to tell you pride lingers in the heart of every individual if we don't let, if we don't squish it out. This flesh is proud. This flesh likes to be recognized. This flesh likes to be elevated. This flesh likes to be lifted up. I mean, that's just the flesh. Amen? And anybody that would tell you, I don't have any of that in me, they may not have pride, but they sure have a lying tongue, don't they? Amen? I'm just simply saying this boy didn't run with them because of maybe their performance. They didn't have no power. Maybe because of their pride. And it might have been because of their pressure. Look at verse number 33. They're putting pressure on each other. Pressure because of competition. The Bible said he came to Capernaum and being in the house, he asked them, what, what was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace. For by the way, they had disputed among themselves. Notice this. Who should be the greatest? It may be that this man wasn't running with them because of the pressure. There was competition. We don't like to think that way. But even the disciples was wondering, who's the greatest of the 12? Who's the greatest amongst us? Jesus sits down and he calls the 12 in verse 35 and he said, if any man desire to be first the same shall be last of all and the servant of all. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, whosoever shall desire one of such as the children in my name, receiveth me. Whosoever shall receive me, receiveth not, uh, uh, receiveth not me, but him that sent me. Jesus takes a child and draws out an illustration. Why? Because the disciples uh, was debating amongst themselves who was the greatest. You know, in a church, we have to remind ourselves that we're all just clay. 
valley. Isn't that right? We're all just dirt dug out of the same pit. There's nothing good in any of us uh, but the grace of God and the goodness of God. God doesn't need me and God doesn't need you, but we all need him. Isn't that right? We need the Lord. Amen? And I don't ever want to get lifted up uh, in my self-pride. I never want to think that I'm, I'm more spiritual than somebody else. I, I never want to think I'm more better than somebody else. You say, Brother Gravely, why are you preaching that? Because it just needs to be preached on. Amen? I'm telling you, it's what I need to hear. It's what you need to hear. I'm telling you, listen, this old boy may have not been running with them because they had a whole lot of pride. There was competition amongst them. I mean, you think about these, these disciples and you think about where they're at in their life right here. There was criticism. There was conflict. Every bit of that comes with pride. Amen? There's a lot of pressure like that. You know, I like for church to just be, let's just go worship God. Amen. I don't have everything the way I need it to be. I'm not, listen, when I make a statement like that, I hope you know me well enough to know that that's not a compromising statement. I'm not saying that it's okay to go out there and live in sin and just do whatever you want to. You know better than that and so do I. But on the other side of that coin, if we just face reality, none of us have it together, the pastor included, like we want to have it together. And none of us has everything the way that we wished it was be, would be. We just strive to the best we can. We read the Bible. We live, we live our life by prayer the best we can. But at the end of the day, we're always missing the mark. We're always coming up short. And when I see somebody in church uh, that may be struggling, that maybe they need a friend or maybe they need somebody to just be kind to them, uh, that's the Christian thing to do is to reach out. Now, let me stop and make a statement there. When somebody gets way out into sin and they're living like the devil and they're proud of about it. Don't go out there and just say, well, you know, we're going to love them to Jesus. Uh, you can love them to Jesus, but I want to tell you something about loving them to Jesus. Uh, the Bible says open rebukes better than secret love. It doesn't mean you go hook up with them and tell them what they're doing is okay and all right. Isn't that right? But on the other side of that coin, you don't drag their name through the mud. You don't tell everybody what they're doing. Uh, you just be quiet and pray for them uh, and pray that God will get a hold of their heart. Isn't that right? But I tell you, I don't want to go to a church uh, where there's a pressure and there's an expectation for everybody to have to live to a certain level. And I'm not talking about the principles of that book, amen? I tell you, I've been in churches uh, where, listen, it was who's who uh, and it was, you know, you had to be somebody. I'm gonna tell you the only person you need to be when you come here is you need to be yourself, amen? Uh, and you need to get right with God if you're out in sin. I need to get right if I'm not where I need to be at. But I never wanna have a pharisaical attitude. Is that right? You know, when you preach on a church like ours, and I say this in a compliment, complimentary way, a church like ours, you can hammer sin and the church will say amen, and we should. But where it gets quiet in a church like ours is when you start dealing with the attitudes of the heart. And you start dealing with, with Phariseeism. Years ago, I had somebody come through here and preach a whole message on Phariseeism. And their motive for what they were preaching was, was they was really telling the congregation that it's okay to live any way you want to and anybody that, that, that tries to help you get closer to God and live a holy life is a Pharisee. 
So at the end of the service, I had to do the damage control and clean that up because you know we don't believe that. Is in the Bible doesn't teach that. We're to be a holy people, aren't we? We're to live right. We're to live clean. We're, we're to live a life that's pleasing to God, but we're to do it with a good spirit. We're to do it with a humble attitude. We're to do it realizing that the next casualty could be your pastor. The next casualty could be you. We're to remember where we used to be at and the patience and the grace that people showed on us when it took time for us to grow. When somebody says something or does something that we know is not right, we're to pray for them but keep a good attitude realizing that there was a time when, hey, we did some dumb things. Can I get a witness right there? That doesn't mean I approve of it. It just means I want to show them the same grace as somebody showed me. Amen? I'm talking about if they're out there and they're a member of this church and they're on Facebook and they're turning a Budweiser up and they're letting the whole world know about it, then some pastor's got to deal with it. Can I get an amen on that? I'm not going to go on there and hit like. Somebody say amen. And when you know somebody's out there living in sin and they're doing things that are wrong, don't go on their Facebook page and support what they're doing and hit like for what they're doing. You're not helping them, friend. You're pushing them further off the edge. And one day at the judgment seat, you're going to give an account to God for every time you hit like on something that you knew you wasn't supposed to. Amen? I just feel like I'll run that for a little bit and just remind us all uh, that when somebody's doing something sinful on Facebook or, or, or Twitter or any of that other social media stuff and you hit like, guess what? You might as well chalk it up. You're as much a part of what they're doing as what they put on there. The only difference between you and them is they posted it and you liked it. Amen? And that ought to be a difference in what we hit like about. Because there are sometimes people post things. And I thought, what is, what are they doing? I'm not shocked by the person that put that on there. I'm shocked by the people that hit like, that say they go to Bible Baptist Church. That's what shocks me. Hmm. Well, <laughs> It hurts the cause of Christ. People lose confidence in you. You see, I, when people go out into sin, I don't say good things about them when they're out in sin. I don't say bad, I just don't say anything. We just pray for them, don't we? And we have the attitude, we don't never have the attitude that we're better than them. I know that I'm preaching to people that feel the same way. This church has never felt like we're better than anybody else. But I'll tell you in a church, if we are not careful, a crowd can, you can build a crowd. Churches have been destroyed. Now there's not a crowd here tonight, so don't try to, don't, don't think that I'm preaching this because I'm the type of person, if I see that, I will go to that. I won't get up and preach a sermon on it. I just deal with it. Tonight's prevented maintenance. You understand what I'm saying? I'd rather preach on it when it's not a problem. Has to have to deal with it when it is a problem. As a pastor, I can tell you something about pastoring. You have to be very careful. And I'm not telling you that I've mastered it. I've made my mistakes in my youth and I've not mastered it even to this day. But I will tell you as a pastor, I've had to learn the hard way 
that the balancing of relationships sometimes can be the most difficult thing in life. But you can keep everybody close to you. I love this church. I love everybody in this church. Can I get an amen? Don't you love your church? I love everybody in this church. I don't care what level you're on spiritually. I do care in the fact that I want to see you grow, but I don't care what level you're on. I want you to know I love you tonight and I, and I believe you love me and I believe it's one of the reasons God has been so good to us at this church and I believe you're to be everybody's pastor no matter what level anybody is on, amen? Because I think about, I don't even know what level I'm on. Can I just be honest with you? I mean, sometimes, Brother Wilson, I think I'm on one level and I'll open my Bible and read it and I think, Lord, I, I thought I was right here, but evidently I'm way down here. You ever done that? Or I'll go to pray for somebody else and, and really have a burden, a genuine burden for them, and I'll be praying for them. I thought, well, they, I'd like to see them get closer to God. And in that moment of prayer, the Lord will say, well, let's talk about them later, but let's talk about you right now. There's some things uh, uh, that you need to move up closer. And I'll tell you what prayer will do. It'll just keep you on your face. It'll help you realize how sorry a stinking flesh is. Amen. Uh, I just want to consider myself lest I also be tempted, amen. I could be the next one. You could be the next one. And God help me tonight. The quickest way to fall is to ever start feeling good about self, amen. Put no confidence in the flesh. This old boy wasn't running with the elite, but I'll tell you one thing about it. He sure was getting a job done, amen. I don't know who he was. I don't know where he came from. I don't know how he got in the family of God. But he is a praying, he is a fasting, he is a helping people and that's what this thing is all about, amen. I wanna say he wasn't running with them because of the pressure they was putting each other on. You know, people can put you under such pressure. I mean, if you don't, if, I'm not talking about living holy. I'm just talking about, uh, you know, I'm glad we're not a rich church. Somebody say amen. Well, that's partially true. <laughs> I wish we were a rich church. So we could give more to missions. I reckon the way to do, I'm glad we're not a up-to-do church. Would that be right to say that that way? Amen. Don't you thank God we're not an up-to-do church? And you have to wear fall clothes. Now, if you wear fall clothes in the fall, have at it. I'm glad you do. Some of y'all got fall clothes on. That's great. But don't, don't you, aren't you glad that if you come in here and you don't wear fall clothes, people don't look at you like you're crazy? I'm just glad you got clothes on. Amen. That's right. I don't care what color they are. As long as they go from your neck to your, to your ankle bone, that's, that makes me happy, amen? I'm glad. I listened. I, I, I asked my wife today. I put on, I, I, we were standing there. I said, hey, I said, what do you think about this tie? I, I don't know why. I just wanted to wear this tie today, you know? And it was, uh, it was but I, something told me. I thought, I probably don't need to wear that. It's a bright yellow tie. Looks like sunshine. So you're like, well, if you don't want to wear it, wear it. I knew what that meant. I started to rebel and put it on. I went through the hallway. I thought, well, I probably need to wear something. That ain't no better, is it? <laughs> but you know what? I'm glad it doesn't matter. You know where I got that tie at? That's a George tie. Amen? I got it at Walmart where I got it at. Amen? I was one of them 9 specials. Amen? 
And listen, I got a tie, brother. R.B. Ouellette gave me. I was afraid to put it around my neck because it looked like it cost a hundred. I don't know what it cost, amen. I mean, it's like wrapping a quilt around your neck, a thing so thick and so wide. I told my wife, I said, man, that's the most expensive tie I ever had, but it didn't cost me a penny, amen. And I listen, you may think I'm a tight one, but I'm glad I, I go to a church where it doesn't really matter, amen. I mean, isn't it good to be that? Now, I don't think you ought to, listen, you ought to have a little bit of character. Can I get a witness on that? I mean, don't come in here. Well, I won't even mess with that, but I'm just saying, hey, you ought to have some character. You ought to want to wear your best is what I'm trying to say. You ought to want to look your best. Uh, but if your best uh, is a plaid shirt uh, and, uh, and listen, uh, a pair of pressed uh, uh, jeans, uh, uh, listen, or if your best is a suit, you ought to wear your best uh, and look your best when you come to the house of God. Isn't that right? Uh, you ought to not look like you're going to a ball game. Somebody say man. You ought to not look like, listen, you just crawled out of the bed. Somebody say man. You ought to not look like, uh, uh, listen, you didn't put no effort in what you're doing. Uh, I'm just simply saying this. Uh, uh, we ought to look our best, but I'm glad it doesn't have to be a certain criteria. Amen. I think every church ought to be like this. The richest man in town ought to be able to walk in and feel feel welcomed. And the old beggar ought to be able to walk in and feel welcome. And I think that's the kind of church we've got. It could have been the pressure. People can put a lot of pressure on you nowadays. And then it might be that he didn't run with them because of their perception. You know, this same story, if you go to Luke, and you don't have to turn there, I'll read it to you, Luke chapter 9. And verse number 49 and 50 is the same story, but if you go to verse 51, the Bible says it came to pass that when the time was come that he should be received, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers before his face. They went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him and they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you know not of what manner of spirit you're of. I never, I pray the Lord never has to say that to me. You know not what spirit, manner of spirit. You see, if the disciples could get a bad spirit, a wrong spirit, then I know I could be easy for me to look at someone and stereotype them, look at someone and, 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 and see them uh, in another light. And it may be that this man that's casting these devils out wasn't running with them because of their attitude. I mean, listen, they're wanting to call fire down from heaven, but they can't cast demons out of somebody. They're powerless. It's the thing about when you lose the power of God, sometimes you don't even realize it. And it may be their perception, their rejection. The problem in this text was that they weren't near as upset about these people rejecting Christ as they were about them rejecting them. They were the ones that were sent. You know, sometimes we have to deal with rejection. People can have a way of making you feel like you're nothing. And sad is we expect it from the world, but it ought to never be in the house of God. You ought to never bypass somebody, avoid somebody, you ought to always shake everybody's hands. Even the weird people, you ought to shake their hands. Amen. You saw so-and-so in church. Yeah, they go to our church, but he's weird. Don't you look so sanctified. 
she's a weird person. Well, don't you know people say the same thing about you? People, there's, I know there's people think I'm weird. I just don't care. Amen. And I like weird people, don't you? That's why I like you so much. I mean, you see somebody, I'm going to tell you, see, I'll tell you, if Christ walked in this sanctuary tonight, you know what he'd do? He'd find the person that, that we would least expect. He would find the individual probably that nobody wanted to be around. And he would sit down next to him. That's the type of spirit we ought to have. You never know by being a friend to somebody how that you think that you're going to be a help to them. You never know how much of a blessing they may be to you. You may, how many times have we made friendships with people and we thought, man, this, this is a lot of work to be this person's friend. Only to find out that once they finally, we peeled back some of the layers and they took some of the boundaries down to find out they were really a great person to be around and that God really put them in our life more than putting us in their life and they were a help to us. That's what Christian fellowship, that's what's so great about Christian fellowship. There's a man that I go to a church every year and I'm going to be honest with you, I wouldn't even tell you the state, but the man the first year, he drove me nuts. That's the only way I can tell you. He drove me crazy. And I know it was all me. I probably didn't have the patience I should have. But I mean, I could turn around and that guy was standing right there. No matter where I went. And the second year, can I tell you how my flesh was? I got out of the car. Here he comes across. I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> Don't act like you never thought that. Y'all act so sanctified tonight. I thought, oh, Lord. When I got to know the man... Guess what now? I get out of the car now, I'm hunting him. I found out he was a great brother. It just took some time to get to know him. I don't want to be like the disciples were great Christians. They were God's people. But I don't want to have that characteristic, and I'm sad to say that I have in the past. We've all had to deal with that from time to time. But I want to treat people the way Christ has treated me. There wasn't anything good in me for Jesus to love me. I don't... Can, why would God want a fellowship with us? What do we have to offer Him? Yet He loves us. That's real genuine love, isn't it, tonight? That God would love you as we stand tonight. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to find that person that really needs it. Lord, help me to see myself help me to be as hard on myself as I am on others Lord help me tonight just to maintain that right spirit the Christ like spirit I, I think it's the most overwhelming thing about Jesus we know he's holy but as holy as he is he was a friend to sinners he never compromised his convictions to love someone he he never, he never came down to become who they were, but he loved all men equally.